When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. On this week's episode of Unwritten. Charlie was not happy with Jimmy Rollins for not running on that pop-up when he probably should have been at second base. Corporate yelling at Bo Porter. That'll get you a one-way ticket back to the minors very quickly. Really, the rule is, is you wait till the manager gets there before you leave. Yeah, the one thing you don't ever want to do is show your manager up when he's coming out to get you. Hello, and welcome to Unwritten from Odyssey and Major League Baseball. We're going behind baseball's secret rules to define them, explore their history, and decide their place in the game today. My name is Ron Darling, and with me is Jimmy Rollins. Today, we're talking about the dynamic between the players and the manager and the rest of the coaching staff. Albert Poulos will join us. He played for Tony La Russa, like I did. We'll share some of those experiences. Jimmy, you played for two guys. When I think of you, I think of two managers. I think of Larry Boa, of course, and Charlie Manuel for most of your career in Philly. What's Mm -hmm. the dynamic between players and those two managers? Uh, The same and very different. Very different because... They are two completely different uh, personalities. Bo, who was a guy that, you know, the history of the Phillies was the shortstop, uh, was the man, one of the leaders on the team, very emotional. Uh, You know where he stood, you know, publicly and outwardly, Uh, you know, as a manager, you know, towel around his neck, biting his towel if something didn't go wrong, you know, wanting to fight every umpire for getting the call wrong. Um, and, and this essence, you know, Tony, Tony LaRusso light, where if you hit one of his guys, oh, he did not take it lightly. I mean, he's yeah. fired up and you would think he was still out on the field, you know, ready to go do something. Um, so you got that from Larry, you knew what he was very vocal. He's going to come around and talk trash and try. He wants to see what you're made out of. Yeah. And then you had Charlie Manuel, who was a complete opposite, just, you know, happy, uh, outwardly didn't seem like he was a real fiery guy. You know, if from the outside in, you think, you know, he was a player's manager and he was a player's manager. But from the outside, the player's manager um, title that you get usually isn't a good one. But when you're in that clubhouse and you're on the field with them, he's thinking the game through also, uh, as every manager does. But it's in a different way. He's very quiet. He'll get fired up. Don't get me wrong. It just wasn't as public as as Bo was. I mean, and, and when Charlie got going on those umpires, Man, when I say, you know, they're used to hearing Charlie stutter 
in his interviews. That's because he can't curse. <laughs> you get him in a situation where he doesn't have to watch what he says. He talks smoothly and he will put some curse combinations together that you've never heard before. But you also knew where you stood with him. Also, he was very upfront and he always said, I have an open door policy. If you want to know where you stand, walk into my office, I'll tell you. You want to, you're upset about plant time or you want to earn more plant time, come to my office. I'll give you the opportunity. So they were completely different, but in this way, very much the same. They were very involved. Uh, they talked to their players, um, didn't isolate themselves. And you knew that when you played the game, when you're on that field, that they wanted the best out of you and they wanted that team to win by any means necessary. So I'm thinking um, back to my playing days, the unwritten rule for the manager, because he's he decides your playing time, he decides everything that goes on with that ball club, but the clubhouse, the plane, and the bus is the players. Do you feel the same way? Uh, with Bo, no, uh, not at all. Uh, the bus was theirs for sure. I mean, and it, and, and I put it this way: <clears throat> if we won, the bus was ours. If yeah, we yeah, lost, the I bus was theirs. You know, I mean, if, if you lose, don't come on the bus with your cell phones going off. If you have a conversation, keep it well below peak um, volume. Uh, go into the bathroom and talk or jump off the bus and talking you back on. Like, hey, I'll call you back when I get to the hotel. <laughs> those type those type of things. But Charlie uh, and his crew, it didn't matter, you know, win or loss. Um, when you got on the bus, you know, by, by the time you got on the bus, the game was over. Um, and, and you knew that. And. And, and times were different as I got older. Guys stopped taking a bus where it seemed like it almost, and I don't know this was, if you lose, you better get on that bus and go back to the hotel. <laughs> That's right. If, if, if you win, you can go and do whatever you want. As I, you know, as later in my career, and as I became more seasoned, win or loss, I decided if I wanted to get on that bus or not, it didn't matter. And if we lost, I probably wasn't getting on the bus um, because I didn't want to have to feel like I was being watched in my, you know, my earlier years and the later years didn't matter as much. Uh, the airplane, you had you had the halves, you know, you had the player section. As long as you're in the player section, you could be as loud and say whatever you want to do, whatever you want. If you go up front, once you get in front of the media section, once again, after a loss, you better keep it down. So it, it's funny how it definitely changed. But that was a personality of the managers I reflected going forward and, you know, wins and losses uh, post game. You know what I love about our show together is that we play in different generations. So. You know, the, the unwritten rules have probably changed a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. I know this. When I played, if you did not talk to the general manager or manager all season long, that was a cool year. I mean, that means they didn't have any problem with you, <laughs> right. didn't have to address you. You weren't traded or this or that. And the manager, right. especially for someone like myself who was a starting pitcher, you take the ball every fifth day. We never have to have a conversation. Those things have changed, I think. I know. I mean, you— Yes. Um, uh, uh, we're an all-star game manager this year for the future stars. You got to meet a lot of these young kids. I think the the relationship and communication between manager and player is hotter than it's ever been. I 100% agree with that. And, you know, being a position player is completely different than being a pitcher. You know, I'm out there every single day. Uh, the manager, they don't, the managers don't, managers don't hang in a bullpen, but they hang around the cages. Uh, 
you know, Charlie was a guy that loved hitting. He liked to hear the sound of that bat and, you know, talked about making a bell ring every time he swung. Like, Charlie, you didn't hit that many home runs. There's no way in the world you could have done this or that, you know, just going back and forth yeah. and, 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 and mess with him. And Larry Boa was a shortstop before I was there. So my relationship was was different in that regard. Uh, but overall, I 100 percent agree that when you're in your era, I'm pretty certain you did not want to see the GM or the manager. Uh, when I came along, that relationship started to blend. It's like, I want to talk to the manager during the game, uh, not necessarily before the game, but, you know, obviously you always acknowledge him, say what's up. But, you know, I would start joking with him. We're talking trash to one another, walking in. They're talking about my clothes, how I'm dressed, and I'm talking trash right back. <laughs> and, you know, we uh, – that there's a story with Larry Bo and myself. I would always wear, uh, you know, the velour – Outfits, the yeah. floor, the velour sweatsuits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when they came out, you know, and I had the braids, so or I'd have my wave cap on, a do rag, whichever one you want to call it, you know, and I have I have a cool walk, you know, I just walk with a little limp, you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, watch out. And I walked the walk to home, I walked to the clubhouse one day, and Bo was like, Man, why are you always wearing those damn, you know, velour suits? I was like, Larry, it's, it's like wearing pajamas, but you could get away with it as a man. You know, you can just wear this all day and you're acceptable. And it was like, and why are you always walking like that? And he tried to imitate my walk. I was like, nah, nah, Larry. Like, like uh, you're walking like you're injured. It's, it's just a little drag <laughs> with that leg. You know, just drag a little bit. Give a little space, a little time. He was like, yeah. Well, how about you drag that motherfucker across home plate once every once in a while? <laughs> you know, and those are the relationships that I had, you know. And and with Charlie, you know, we we play, play box, shadow box one another during the game, which I couldn't do with Larry during the game, I come up and discuss strategy and why aren't we doing this? And, and I don't know if he was listening, yeah. you know, but he definitely made me feel like he was. And he'd be like, I don't know, J roll, you know, I mean, this is what I'm thinking, looking at the lineup and why well, I wouldn't do this. And sometimes he'd just be like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt like I had a voice, you know, whether I did, I, did I have an impact? I'm not sure, but he made me feel like I can come up and say something to him at any times and at least ask questions. And, whether, you know, um, like I said, he listened to it or not, I feel like I could at least express my opinion without the fear of, you know, being told to go go away and sit down on the end of the bench. And honestly, had he said that, I probably would have came back anyway. You know, the more you push me away, the more I'm going to make sure you listen to me. It, it's so funny. I'm just trying to – I played with Bo, played against Bo, trying to think of him with the, that bow-legged legs of his – trying to do one flap down. There's no chance for him <laughs> right? to do that right? kind of stuff. Hey, you know, and, and here's the funny part. So I got him the suit. I don't, and he he had the, he had the wave, uh, the do-rag. Yeah. He put it on his head, just tied it up. He put on a suit and he, you know, started imitating me. But at the end, he was like, man, I understand why you wear these things now. And the rest of that season, uh, this is maybe about midway through, yeah. he wore it at least once a week. I, I think I got him two suits. He wore He wore at least one once a week i'm like exactly and it was the coolest thing ever and you know a guy like bo you know how tough nose he is and right. hardy is just just that's his mentality um to see him rocking that i was like yeah boy you got you, him you have <laughs> you have to send me a picture of that i gotta see that hey uh, here's something i was just it just came to me um because i always felt uncomfortable doing this you know because you go through a, a course of the year where things come up things at home and I always felt uncomfortable addressing personal issues, personal problems uh, at home with your manager. But I remember I was in Detroit one day, and Tony and I were at early BP, and I used to love to go to center field and chase everything down. That would be a great workout for an hour, right? Mm -hmm. And I was out there, and I'd gotten off to kind of a slow start. 
And uh, after the practice was done, he used to call me load. Um, because if you weren't, <laughs> if, if you weren't a load, he would call you load because that meant he didn't have to worry about you during the year. If you weren't called load, that was a bad thing in, in his mm-hmm. eyes. But afterwards, he said, load, what's, uh, what's up with you? And I said, no, no, I'm, I'm good. I got some personal things I'm going through. Uh, and he said, listen, as your friend, I really care what you're going through, but I'm not your friend. I'm your manager, and I need you to pick it up a little bit. I said, I said, I, I will. I definitely will. I'm not panicking. He said, maybe you should. <laughs> he said, <laughs> he said, we we really need you to get it going. But you know what? He did it, and he laughed just like you laughed, and I laughed. But the message was taken. I heard mm-hmm. it. It was like you know, it doesn't matter really what's going on in your personal life, bro. I mean, you owe these 25 guys. You know, that's kind of how it how it works. So it's a it's, mm-hmm. a it's a strange thing. But he was, I played for Tony La Russa and Davey Johnson, and they couldn't be completely different. Uh, Tony was really buttoned up, had his little notepad that he would take uh, notes from. He did something I still use today. He would write something down that he was mad at, someone not running or this or that. And if he was mad 24 hours later, he would address it with the player. If he was not, mm. he would just scribble it out. So I'd kind of do that with my kids and stuff. Like when they make me wow. angry or whatever, I'll, I'll kind of put it in my brain. And like the next day, if I'm not mad about it, I don't address it because it was not a big thing. It might have been a big thing at the moment, but it, sometimes those things just evaporate. It's not a, not a big deal. And then David, Ron with the life lessons. Well, yeah, Tony, David, you know, and, and, I, and yeah. I like that. You know, I have three daughters, and they're definitely times. They're 10, 8, and 6. And Wow. You know, they're at that point where it's like you just want to just mm, and, you know, just go leave, you know, go around the corner and, you know, you have to take those woosa moments. Remember, like Martin Lawrence and Bad Boy Suit. That's right. That's right. You, have, that's, you have to take those moments. And right. that is a good one. I, I am going to implement that. Yeah. If I'm upset about it. I'm going to take a mental note. And if I'm still upset about it, you know, 24 hours later, then you know, I'll address it. But yeah, because some those those are just fleet, fleeting moments. Like at that moment, yeah, but whatever. It's, yeah. It's, is it going to impact my life that much? Like, or, no. Or there, or theirs. A, uh, or theirs. So I, I played with Davey Johnson. It was completely the opposite. Not buttoned mm-hmm. up. Loved uh, loved to be kind of one of the guys. <laughs> right. When, when he would get on the plane, you know, everyone would, you know, have a beer or bourbon or whatever their choice would be. And he would come on the back of the plane each and every flight. He would come back, <laughs> and, and it wasn't about, like, you know, the guys today, I watch the managers today, they're very professional. How you feeling? How's your leg? You know, nice job today, this or that. He was coming back there to needle you, to play with you, to see how whatever. And if we had a player who didn't play that day because, you know, they were nursing maybe a, a slight hamstring or kind of right. tight back, whatever, you know, he'd come down and go, he'd say to me or say to someone else, he'd say, hey, is she going to play tomorrow? Do you know if she's going to play tomorrow? Because right, I want to know right. if I'm going to make my scorecard out, that right, kind of stuff. Right. And occasionally it would be taken and people would say, start yelling, Davey, just get back up to the front of the plane. You're not wanted here, that kind of stuff. To right, sometimes right. it would get worse. It would get to the oh, point yeah, I'm sure. where, oh, I'm where, sure. where uh, not, not quite fighting words, but you'd have all of these players going up and down the aisles, you know, pushing and shoving. Trying to keep McClendon away from Larusa. Larusa and McClendon going toe to toe. Both benches are empty. Oh boy, this could be a doozy. Oh, was he angry? He went right for Larusa. 
I played for the manager that was so part of the ball club and mm-hmm. just loved being a manager-player kind of deal. And then Tony LaRusso, I felt like, you know, was the CEO of, of our organization, not the, mm-hmm. the manager, you know. He was just um, uh, kind of a part. But it's, um, it's, it's interesting when you play for enough guys that you can play for a lot of different guys, um, but certain guys get more out of you, don't you think? Yes, 100%. And, you know, and everyone has their way. Uh, you know, speaking of that, you know, I played, you know, majority of my career under Charlie Manuel. And, you know, the way he went about it was completely different than the way Larry Boa went about it was completely different than the way uh, Ryan Sandberg went about it. And lastly, uh, Don Madley and uh, Robin Ventura. Uh, mm. Wow. But, you know, those guys were short lived. So I didn't get a yeah. chance to really dive into, you know, who they were as a manager. They were one and done for me. Uh, but Bo and Charlie, you know, they, they, Bo would, you know, poke you and pride you kind of like, you know, they were done when they won the World Series. They won, you know, in spite of their manager. It was like, you know, we don't like him. So we want to shut him up by winning. Yeah. And that's what they did in 80. It was like F you to the manager and everybody else. But, uh, Forget she got what he needed out of him. <laughs> you know, I, I got it. I got to win. So he did that. So Bo's style was kind of seemed like it was predicated on that. Like, if I have to poke you and prod you to get you going, then that's what I'm going to do, you know, because it worked for us. But the generation that changed, it was like, no, we don't, you don't, we don't like it. You don't talk to us that way. And, you know, we, that's not how you go about it. Charlie was, you know, completely different. He'd bring you in. It was more nurturing, almost father-like, and maybe because it was such a huge age difference uh, appearing, apparently, uh, between Larry Boa because he was, you know, like like Davey, more involved. He's going to talk trash to you and all that stuff where Charlie, you know, he had talked trash, but it it felt like you were talking to your granddad and you can go and say something and kind of nurturing he'll, you know, pull you, pull you out, sit you down and tell you why. And tell you, I've done this to other greats also, and you know, just take a mental break. And, you know, we still believe in you, son. Yeah. You, you go out there, you, you, you like, you'd be one for t- one for 30. You ever <laughs> think you might be hot. <laughs> That's right. I never thought about that. You know what? Cause then I go two for three today. Then I feel hot because right. he put in my mind, I might be hot, which means just change the way you think about it. You know, you want for, you want for your last 21 for your last 30. But if you go two for three today, you're two for three. Yeah, Ooh, he's that's a, great thoughts. He's, yeah, and, he's and, and that's how he got. Yeah, yeah, so just the way they went about it. I know something really strange happened to me, and I was in the broadcast booth. It never happened to me as a player, but I had someone from the front office. Well, we'll leave all the names out because there's no, just the story's better. Ooh. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, well, these are the millionaires. I don't like to mess with them because the next thing I know, I'm getting like some lawyers calling me. But anyways, um, one of them, came up to me and said, hey, I'd love to talk to you about the manager. And mm-hmm. I knew the manager was in a hot seat, right? And I, and, and he said, I said, well, wh- wh- what would you like to talk about? He said, well, if you can come up to my office, we'll maybe have a conversation. I said, you know, I don't feel comfortable talking about a man's job in <laughs> someone's office, so I'm, I'm going to decline. And I knew that put me in a weird place. I said, I'm, I'm going to decline. Now, if you want to talk on the bench, and sit down and sit on the bench and, and talk a little bit. I mm-hmm. I have no problem that because that's open air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, people around whatever. So mm-hmm. here's my question for you: Have you ever been approached by someone in the front office? And we don't have to say who or what, but approached by someone in the front office that wanted to say, 
talk to you about a manager that maybe was losing control or what do you know what do you think of the manager or anything like that uh no not at oh, all okay. um you know thinking of the gyms that i had ed wade then pat gillick and ruben tomorrow no no not not I can't really think of that. And then when I went to other organizations the same way. Uh, and, and I think, you know, that role has changed a whole bunch also where, uh, you know, GMs now, you know, president of baseball ops run that department. And it was, you know, all me, meaning, meaning whoever the man was in that seat, it's all them. It's their decision. It's their call. It's their responsibility right. um, from players that they, they may have called certain players. I definitely wasn't one of them. Um, I've heard of players being called even during my time. And I was like, well, okay, that lets me know how you feel about me. That's how I kind of took it, but no big deal. Whoever is in that seat is who I'm going to play for regardless. It's, it's, it's respecting the position, but I never had that conversation about what do you think about, you know, this guy as a manager? Cause had I had it, you know, I probably wouldn't have had, you know, a couple managers <laughs> or one or, you know, yeah, in particular, uh, but it, it, it was, it wasn't up to me. That was their call. And I preferred it that way. I didn't want to, you know, be in a situation where we see, you know, more so in the NBA, you know, guys picking so their true. head coach, and then it doesn't work out. And now they want to go off and talk trash about the head coach. It's like, but that's your choice. You decided that. So take that responsibility. If the ship's going down, don't hop off and throw your hands up in the air like you didn't throw the rocks first. No, <laughs> you wrote that name in there. You that's said right. this is who I wanted. So in, in baseball, they've done a great job of keeping players in general away from that. Um, but I do know that players have been reached out to. I just was not one of those guys. For what reason? I don't know. Yeah, I, I even remember uh, w w when I used to love watching the Celtics against the Lakers. I think it was Magic was really the first guy that got his own coach, and they took off with Showtime and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, yep. one of the unwritten rules, uh, pitching change. You know, I've gone seven innings, so uh, manager's going to come take me out. I feel like I should stay in the game. But you don't. But but you don't. You, there's no reaction. You take the ball. Right. You hand it to the manager. You don't show him up. You walk off. For a player, you come to the ballpark. You didn't play yesterday. Now mm -hmm. you're not in the lineup today, and you're mm -hmm. Jimmy Rollins. Now you're everyday Jimmy Rollins. Now what what's going on? Do you do you address it? Do you go into his office? Or again, it depends on the manager. Um, I think. You go into his office and, and I've, I've had it, you know, every way. And out from when I was young, going from being a leadoff hitter to struggling to now, you know, they decided I'm going to bat eighth and ninth. Mm. Like, well, not ninth, but, you know, eighth. Yeah. And it's like, what? You know, no explanation. This is just what we're doing. You know, you're going to bat there and you're going to figure it out. You're going to figure out how not to hit the ball in the air and da 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 da. Just, just, you know, old school, you know, I'm the manager. This is my decision. And don't you dare come question me, you know, and that that's just how it was to a manager that if he was not going to play you for more than one day, you were called into the office and you were given all the reasons why and you understood it. And it wasn't a form of punishment where previously it was really a form of punishment. Even if they said it wasn't, it's like. I know what this is all about, you know, just because, you know, the demeanor of the manager um, to, you know, to to giving a full explanation to from there to being benched. 
in spring training, you know, over an interview because I said, I don't care about spring training results, which is the truth. Who cares about spring training results? They matter none. When a closer comes in in the fourth inning, this is not real baseball. You know, I'm, I'm this is your Allen Iverson moment, by the way. Right, right. This is practice. We're talking about practice. <laughs> you know, and it really was to, you know, and then, you know, from from a point of, you know, saying I don't care about spring training to not even getting a call from the manager, getting a call from the clubhouse guys like, hey, you know, they say you don't have to come in today. All right, cool. That's strange. Then tomorrow, which was the next day, it happens again. I'm like, yeah, really? And, you know, here I am, super vet yeah. uh, on the brink of of breaking uh, Mike Schmidt's all-time hits record. Just the lack, just the lack of respect that was given. Like, wow. Yeah. Okay, so you know, then I show up the third day, um, and those were both two road games. I think it was back-to-back road games. So, I mean, I wasn't too upset about it, and I got to choose what days I traveled anyway. To so I get get in the clubhouse, and it's like, you know, why haven't you played? And Mike, my, my answer: Go ask the manager. Don't ask me. I got a call from the clubhouse guy. Don't ask me why I'm not playing. Yeah. And then getting called to the office and, you know, told why and, you know, being, hey, I hope you learned your lesson. I'm like, I don't, there is no lesson, period. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. So whatever you were trying to do, it didn't work. Yeah, jeez. You know, that's why I love talking to you. Hearing these stories, just it's it's amazing what happens when managers you play for don't put enough thought into what their actions will do. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I think authentic people make great managers because yes. um, they have um, a real chance that they're not afraid to, to show that they're not perfect. You know, uh, no mm-hmm. no manager's perfect. And when they reveal that side to you, it makes you feel like you can trust them more because they understand yep. how hard the game is, you know? Yep. We're here with how many, how many MVPs you have? Four? Three. Three, three. three time <laughs> MVP winner. Is it two or three World Series? Two. I've been in three. I he's won been two. in three, but All he's won two. Courtesy of, courtesy of the 2011 Phillies, my <laughs> man, Albert Pujols, <laughs> joins us on Unwritten. And Al, I want to get into a subject um, that I think is very important. It, I mean, it, it's probably the most important relationship you can have in uniform uh, besides with your teammates. And that's one with your manager. Mm-hmm. I feel that a manager sets the tone. Mm-hmm. Um, he has to be open and understanding to who his players are, has to be willing to adapt. Mm-hmm. But as a player, you also have to adapt to his style and learn what he wants from you. Uh, you play mm-hmm. for an all-time great manager um, and Tony La Russa a guy that I grew up admiring, uh, managing the Oakland A's, being from the Bay Area. You know, I loved everything about him until Mm -hmm. I had to start playing against him. And it was was still a little different. It's like, man, I love Tony, but I got to beat him. So, you know, it it was like, it was a little different. You know, you're trying, he's trying to win. He's going to do whatever he can. I saw it growing up. 
You know, you hit one mm. of my guys, I might hit three of yours just to make mm. sure the message is sent. But mm. how important and what was your relationship like with Tony and how, if in any way, mm. did that shape your career and how you approached the game? Wow. That's pretty awesome because you just, you just say that you, you, you know, after your teammates, I mean, the, the relationship that you had to build with your manager has to be really important. And that was something with Tony and I that connect right away from spring training, um, you know, and then obviously it took us a couple of months to get to know each other more during the course of the season. But I think when you have a manager, bro, that has your back and then believes in you and trusts you, uh, you know, man, like you will do anything to play for that guy. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you hurt. Doesn't matter if you don't feel good. You just go out there and play because you want to be out there for Hank because you know that that he has you back. And that was Tony La Russa. Tony was the guy that I always, you know, come to Hank when when I struggle with something you know, or like if I had to share something with him or if I had to make a big decision, you know, like man, he was always there for me. He just sent me a test message uh, yesterday, you know, just congratulating me and, and just, you know, just a really nice test. I mean, our relationship is like a father and son 22 mm -hmm. years later, you know, and our relationship back then in 2001, I felt that it hasn't changed. That if, if anything, it has getting stronger and stronger every year. Mm -hmm. But I felt it like that, just like I was with a player feeling comfortable. Tony was always to me transparent. He came to me and, you know, I make my second rookie mistake to Tony because we were <laughs> in the kitchen one day and he asked me, so Albert, I'm going to tell you something. What do you prefer? He 30 home run or he 300? I was like, well, 30 home run, Tony. Like what? Everybody wants to be bought out. Right, of right, like, right. Ah, rookie mistake. <laughs> I want you to focus on hitting 300. Because if you focus on hitting 300, I bet you you're going to get you 30 hundred. I bet you you're going to get you 100 RBI. And, and, and that was the case, you know, like, and really, I never, I ne I, he never gave me that opportunity to think about, about the question that he was giving me, like to give thoughts. But if you look at it, if you really focus on hitting 300, bro, how many chances you're going to have with Megan scoring position and chance to drive runs and do some damage? A lot. And then because a lot. And you get, you're going to get more hits. You're going to hit 300. And before I know it, I had, you know, 30 hundred. I finished with 37 that year. I drove 130 runs. I think 130, 127, something like that. But I, I ended up hitting like three, 330. And, and I was like, now I use the same question. And I said it to one of our young kids that I'm uh -huh. kind of mentoring. I asked him, like, hey, what do you prefer, 300 or 24? Right away, he made the same mistake that I did. And I was like, listen, no, I want you to, you know, I mm -hmm. want you to focus on hitting 300 because I'm telling you, at the end of the year, I know you have the power. You're going to hit 300 and you're going to drive such a running and you're going to be hitting 300. And that was Tony to me, man. It's, it's just amazing the relationship that we have uh, in the clubhouse. He's, like you said, it. He's the leader, man. Like, you want to make sure that when you walk in there, he's the leader. He's the captain of our boat. If he doesn't, uh, if he doesn't maneuver the boat, we're all going to sink. And Tony was really, really professional about his work. His preparation, bro, was crazy. Mm -hmm. The way that Tony prepared for a game, like the night before, like, I don't think I ever seen any manager preparing the night before. I mean, writing notes or things that he 
wants to do the next day because wow. I see him with my own eyes and wow. his notes, like, okay, scenarios, like if this is happening, if this doesn't go the way that I want it, like I need to have a plan B and plan C. It was wow. crazy. Like nothing really caught Tony by surprise. Mm-hmm. Like he always has something like, and you see, and that's why he had, he's a Hall of Fame and he has the success that he had. It, I think it's because the way that he prepared himself. And it's, it's just amazing, you know, and I'm blessed to play for so many great managers, but Tony obviously is, is right there on top of Wow. I, that, I, I've always heard that, that you will never catch Tony by surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not a situation where he's going to be outmanaged. He's planned mm-hmm. it out ahead. If this happens, that happens. And to hear it firsthand from you, it's like, wow. Like it, I can't imagine a manager managing a game, having to do the interviews, and still putting in time post-game to write down everything that he wants to see happen or if it happens this way, what his move will be for the next game. Usually they do, they, they eat, do the interviews, you know, talk to the GM or whoever comes down and and they're they're gone. They're gone. And they may get in early the next day to do that, but to know that he was still locked in already prepared. So when he came in, it was probably just a review to make sure he didn't miss anything. That is crazy. Um, But that's why he's been so successful. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and, and then, you know, yep. I've been blessed, you know, like, I don't want to say that the other guys, like, were like that. Like, no, just went, different. And from here, I went to Anaheim, and then yep. I got Sosha, so, the hopefully future Hall of Fame guy, who really in, intense. It mm-hmm. was just a different, but it's about winning and preparation, you know. I mean, and I went to L.A. last year with Robert, and yep. Robert was the same way. And then now I got Olive here, Marmo, 26 years old. Right. So wise, you know, in the wisdom that he has, his preparation that he go out. And I know Oli for a while already, you know, I met him a long time ago, but like mm-hmm. to come back here and to play. And that was like, hey, how's that relationship? You know, you know that you're older than Right, I'm right. Like, <laughs> I'm like, so wow, he still had the office and I had the locker room. He's the boss. Yeah. I just come over here and prepare myself whenever I'm in the line. You know, it's like everybody have different I guess preparation and different idea, the way they they want to go and approach the game. But man, all of them has the same focus and the mm-hmm. same mindset that I have. It's about man, it's about this organization, and about winning. And what can we do today to win the game? Obviously, Tony kind of like all smart, all of them, I guess, because the way that he prepared just way beyond, you know, mm-hmm. like days before. And, you know, you can be talking to Tony, bro, at the dinner. And you say something, and the next day he comes and share with the guys. I seen it. Wow. Like you can be talking, you say something. Tony always has a pen or pencil and a piece of paper with it. And if he doesn't have it, he had, he grabbed the napkin bro from the table and writes it wow. and puts it in his packet. And the next day you come and Tony takes his napkin out, bro, and thinks about it and shares it. He's like, and it's it's amazing, you know. It's really, really, really amazing. And you know, blessed, bro. Just blessed to calling you know not just my friend but like almost a father figure to me mm-hmm. man because that's how our relationship has been that's 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 beautiful my to keep the player engaged to know that you can say something and he will use that the next day as inspiration if needed for the team or maybe just something that you're noticing and he wants to let everybody know hey this is what you know this is what's happening I know he kept this, you know, it's his thumb on a clubhouse. He knew what was happening at all times. 
Would you say, and I would ask this because I play for Charlie Manuel. I play for Larry Boa, Charlie Manuel, uh, Ryan Sandberg, and uh, Robin Ventura, uh, and then Donnie Baseball. Man, I had a, quite a few managers when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I would say that out of all of them, you know, Charlie had the label of being a player's manager, you know, mm-hmm. player friendly from, from the outside. Now Do we I all had a chance to see him last week in Philly. Oh, Chuck, yeah, so they, they, they presented everything to you. He looks good, man. He looks good. He, he, he's, he, he's doing real good. What what style of if you know versus player manager versus a guy who you know runs the ship? It's my way or no way. Where would you categorize Tony? Because from the outside, it seems like he's the guy that runs the ship, and it's my way or no way. But hearing your story, that was the outward presence. Like this is my team, but in the clubhouse, it was different. Like this is like I'm the captain. This is your team. I'm coming up with the game plan but you guys be yourselves. So yeah. although outwardly he is not a player's manager, Charlie outwardly, you know, had the reputation of being a player's manager, but trust me, I've been in that office and we've had some talks, mm. but for me, in the second part of that question, for me, when you say managers protect their players, mm-hmm. I want to know your definition of that. Cause I have my own, I'll share after yeah. you, but mm-hmm. so part one is, what, where would you categorize Tony as a manager style? And then part two, explain when you say protecting the players. Yeah. Well, Tony was like that, bro. He was like the guy that, yes, I'm the captain, but this is your guy's locker room. Mm-hmm. Unless something got really out of control, that's when Tony stepped in. Mm-hmm. Tony, we had a kind of core group, which is still we still have here, you know, uh, back then, we I think Tony used to pick like three starter, uh, three position player, the closer. It was like a group of 10. And mm-hmm. that was like, you know, those were the guys. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the locker room. Gene Emmons, Cole Rollins, myself, uh, you know, Mike Matini. Then you got Jason in your house, uh, Matt Morris, Woody Williams. Those were, I mean, when you had those bets, bro, experienced championship guys like, there's nothing to worry about. So mm-hmm. Tony would be sleeping like this, bro, every <laughs> night. Because he knew that the clubhouse, there's no, I mean, no BS going on. Right, so, right. You know, so Tony was like that. Like, he's like, listen, guys, this is your locker room. Tony never, unless he called up a meeting, bro, you would never see Tony in our clubhouse. Hmm. Tony was from his office to the food room to the field. Back to the office, line up. And that's it. Unless he needs to really call a meeting and call him, like, really, I never saw Tony, like, inside our locker room, you know? Mm-hmm. Even in the row, bro, like, he never, like, that was our space, you know? Mm-hmm. So he was that kind of guy where, hey, if you things got out of control, then I step in. But you guys, this is you guys' locker room, and you guys take care. I think he rely and he leans on those veteran guys, you know, that will take care of the crow house and things don't want to get out of control. Because as you know, bro, I mean, let's, let's not fake it. You know, we play 162 games. We together for seven months. Sometimes There's you're not going to like each other. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know. It's not going to like each other sometimes. Probably that that yeah. happens, you know. So, but he was that kind of manager where, hey, you know, you guys take care of that. The only... Part of the question, uh, the second question about protecting guys, it was like, hey, when I make a mistake and he knows it was the player mistake, he's take the blame. Mm-hmm. He never threw you in the media and tried to 
say, oh, Albert missed a sign or Albert made a mistake or Albert this. And you never saw Tony, you know, throwing somebody out there. He always take the fall. Not even the coaches, bro. Even if the coaches would have made a mistake, Tony just always took the fall. Always took the fall. Like, man, and it was like, wow, dude, that's, you know, because I did make a lot of mistakes, whether it was a base running, whether it was, uh, you know, um, whatever. Uh, and I seen how all the guys made a mistake and he never brought just one out there because that's the last thing as a manager that you want throwing mm-hmm. your player out there because you know that that's not going to be a happy clubhouse the next day when the mm-hmm. media gets hold on that. And, uh, and he did that, bro. Like, and then that part when you're going to miss with my guys, you know, you know how it is. <laughs> with me, it I'm is what it is. Two of you. Yeah. That's the, he didn't, if he smelled it, that it was on purpose or anything, like he didn't play. And, and you know, and yes, that's probably a bad reputation, but you know what? I respect him. And we, everybody that has played for Tony, respect him because of that. Mm-hmm. Nobody that played with the Cardinals, and I'm sure, you know, right now being in the White Sox, nobody miss around because Tony don't miss around. You know, he he protects his players, you know, and, and, it's, that's that's old school, bro. Now yeah. it's different because right now you're taking all that and, you know, you hit somebody and then right away you got a warning. You can't yep. protect your player, you know. And I understand all that. The games have changed, bro. But uh, we, Tony, he was that kind of manager, man. And, and we love him. I love him. Guys that play for him, not just me, speak really, really high of him. And that's why he's a Hall of Fame, bro. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why he's a Hall of Fame. Now, this part of protecting a player, and I, I like to get your thoughts on it, that's being the buffer between the front office and what happens in the clubhouse. Because we know, you know, you got these guys in the front office, they want to control everything and write lineups and try to tell guys who's playing, and maybe more so now than when we first started. But I think that's a role that managers don't talk about. It's never said in the media, but they have to deal with it. We have 25 guys in this locker room that I have to deal with. I know who's in here to fight. I know who I want in that foxhole with me. Upper management, they have guys or want to bring in guys that they think can fit in or I need to see this guy play a little bit more and it's going to go against everything that we're doing down here. What is, and, and now that you're, you know, a veteran player, you get, we, we get to see more. Nothing, we're not fooled. We can read things happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How important is it for a manager? And, and, you know, fortunately, you know, you weren't on the side of politics where you have to worry about that. But there are guys in a clubhouse that are worried, you know, am I getting traded? Am I going to play? Why am I not playing? How important for it is a manager to protect that player, to be that buffer and to communicate what exactly we expect them, what I want from you as a player and how to survive and how to, be, how, how to remain a big leaguer throughout the politics? Yeah, you just said it. Communication communication is huge as a manager you need to communicate with that player what is your role you know and that's last year right away with Robert here you know with Mo and 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 Olive you know right away communication hey this is your role this is why we want you I know um probably and I know myself you know to be you have to be honest I know I'm not Mm -hmm. the same player to play every single day you know Mm -hmm. what I mean but I think for them to be able to communicate with you this is this is right away in front lay it flat this is what we want so that way there's no expectation there's nothing that can happen to trigger that player and then right. now there's a 
bad movement in the clubhouse because you know you don't want it you don't want that to happen but uh, I think you know the games have changed a lot um, because what you say the front office guys sometimes that they're smart in what the things that they do but they haven't even played the game of baseball and all of a sudden they just want to really focus on serometric and punching numbers here and there which I agree, there's a lot of things, but there's always had to be that balance. Mm -hmm. I think at the end of the day, man, you had to have that balance. I think when you lean towards that area, 90% and then 10% of baseball instincts, then you're going to run into that problem. But I think if you really find the organization, you, you can look at the organization around. They do that pretty well. They have success because I believe they find that balance or how we're going to use this player. What is the, the, the role that he's going to play? I mean, Chase did it, you did it, myself. David Free, we were talking last uh, last night about when the Dodgers brought in there for a couple of years, he mm -hmm. did it. And, and I think as a player, you need to ask yourself and be honest. I'm like, okay, this is my role. This is what I'm going to contribute. But I, out of all that, I think the most important thing is the communication the communication that needs to be from that manager towards that player. And I think it's huge. If that player, if that player doesn't feel like the manager is communicating, that player is going to feel like that manager is really like, don't care about mm -hmm. it. And that's mm -hmm. when, you know, problem happens in the clubhouse and it's like, now he doesn't have my back. I don't care. And then right. comes in, in there with a bad attitude and, and you don't want to be a cancer in a clubhouse, bro. Mm -hmm. Let's face it. But I think, uh, you know, the communication is huge. And yes, it's crazy. The game had changed, Jimmy, from when we started. Right. Uh, and, you know, you've seen it all. Now, you've seen it all. I like the dude that was born in 1900 and is still, still I, alive in 2000. I can say, my brother, I've seen it all, but it's, 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 it's great. And it's been a great ride. But I think at the end of the day, it's, it's just always finding that balance, man, to really. Because at the end of the day, it's what's best for the organization, mm -hmm. you know. But then you have to care also about the players, too. Yeah, no doubt. Well, Al, brother, man, I appreciate talking to you, just getting all this knowledge and wisdom. And for all our listeners that are going to be hearing this, getting just a deeper perspective of your views on baseball, of life. Uh, maybe I, I'm not saying you should be, but you definitely have some managerial skills. So maybe just as a consultant, you know, get paid, just get paid to talk to some young kids. You know, why not? They gonna give you a check anyway. You might as well do a little bit of work. <laughs> so I, no, I appreciate I you, brother. This, man. Man. I, I love it. No, no, thanks for having me, man. I, I really have a, a good time with you. And this hour that we've been talking together, it's just, uh, it's just good because I think for us, you know, we have we came in an era that we didn't have it easy and then now my your career almost finished finished to the era that it was kind of like getting mm -hmm. tough mm -hmm. and then i'm in that era where yes it is tough but then i'm walking out and we've seen in both uh both era but uh at the end of the day we have appreciating and i think we have both of us you know because we decided to care about it and learning it better we have the wisdom that I think, you know, to help others uh, and to help, help the new generation. So for us, I believe that, yes, we might not wearing that jersey anymore. I probably won't wear that jersey, you know, anymore after this year and the field. But I think the wisdom is still there to help others. And I think that's that's what we've been blessed with it. You know, like 
It's like I always say, what are we going to do with the talent? Are we just going to keep it for ourselves mm -hmm. or are we going to pass it along? You know, because mm -hmm. there's two things. You have talent and there's a gift. And I think, as we know, both of us had that gift. And that gift has come from above to be a baseball player, to have the success and have the career that we both had. Uh, pretty amazing. But I think at the end of the day, it's like, what are we going to do with it now? Just because we don't wear the uniform, we don't want to share anymore. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. Hold on. Now we have the time. We don't have the pressure. It's like Sean Dunster used to tell me. I used to tell Sean Dunster when we go and play the Giant. He was a coach. I'm like, Sean, how are you sleeping? I'm like, Albert, now I sleep like a baby. <laughs> when I play, I was like, oh, for four, oh, for four, slide it down in him. And it's like, right, right, bro. I yeah. mean, do you have any stress? Matt, I right know, now? not at all. I couldn't wait you to not have to worry about saying? making it out. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't have to worry about that. And obviously, after this year, I'm going to have that. But, um, you know, and kind of have my own schedule, like, mm -hmm. that I don't have to follow. I was just thinking that the other day. Bro, I've been following schedule for 22 you years. You're a kid, brother. You know what I mean? I know, yes. <laughs> you have to do this. You have to do that. And then, man, now, after this year, I got to make my own schedule. What? I don't even know what to do, bro. So be ready. Let's get that golf game. Hey, we're going to do it. We're going to do it, brother. <laughs> So, Al, thank you for your time, man. I'm looking forward to golfing with you. We can make our own schedule. You have it yeah, on Unwritten, AP5, Albert Pujols, future Hall of Famer, first ballot, no doubt. And I'm just, just glad I had the pleasure to get to know you over that time. But more than that, just to compete against one of the greatest ball players of my, my generation. Thank you, brother. Bless you. I'll see you next week. Albert was you know, in class of his own. And I, out the Reggie Jackson says, if you're in the conversation, I think Albert's in the conversation with the greatest players of any generation. You talk about Willie and Ruth and Hank and, you know, going forward into our era, Albert's in that conversation. I want to thank Albert Pujols for coming on. He was the greatest. Um, what a career he's had. Yeah, I guess I guess what we finally the the final result is really this is respect your manager. It's the most important part of what you're going to do in the future. But at the same time, times have changed, and no one's going to speak up for you unless you speak up for yourself. Odyssey, MLB, Jimmy Rollins. I'm Ron Darling. Thanks for listening. Unwritten is a production of Odyssey and Major League Baseball. Our senior producer is Paul Aspen of Odyssey with Ian Kay of Major League Baseball. Lena Glazer is the executive producer of 2400 Sports at Odyssey. Jody Avergan and Nick Trotta of MLB are executive producers. Special thanks to everyone at Major League Baseball and Odyssey who helped make this show happen. If you enjoy the show, please leave a rating or a review in your podcaster player of choice. Or just tell someone about the show. For Jimmy Rollins, I'm Ron Darling. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back soon with more on baseball's unwritten rules.